0: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more.
1: Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. As many as one in five children in the U.S. live with mental health issues, and the high demand for resources and support is putting a tremendous strain on the system. People are desperate and the wait lists are long. On today's show, we'll speak with the new head of mental health at Children's Hospital Colorado about the ongoing crisis and solutions on the horizon. That and more coming up. You're listening to KUNC's Colorado Edition. I'm Erin O'Toole. A growing number of young people in our state are struggling with their mental and emotional health. In just a bit, we'll talk with the new head of mental health at Children's Hospital Colorado to learn more. But first, we're going to hear about a legislative effort to make higher education accessible for foster youth. Coloradans who grow up in foster care are the least likely group to attend college and earn a degree. Critics say the state is not doing enough to help them with tuition for higher ed when they leave high school. A new bill aims to change that. As KUNC's Scott Franz reports, foster youth see the proposal as a potential game-changer for thousands of people who can't afford to go to
2: college. Tori Schuler beat the odds. When she got her history degree from the University of Colorado, Denver, she was one of just 3% of foster youth around the country graduating from college.
3: I pulled loans and did everything I could. I worked sometimes 60 hours a week, always two jobs in college just to get through so that I could have that accomplishment because it meant so
0: much to me.
2: Schuler also had something many foster children lack when they leave the system on their 18th birthday financial help from foster parents. They kept her dream alive by providing housing and fixing her car.
3: If they hadn't been there and I would have had to switch from being someone who drove to someone who rode the bus, I would have had to drop a job. I couldn't do that. I would have had to drop college.
2: Today, Shuler is hoping to improve the odds for the foster youth who are not getting the help she had. She says the stakes are high.
3: The person who's going to change the world is probably waking up in a foster home today. Potentially the person who could solve cancer and greenhouse gases.
2: But Schuler says if that person is growing up in Colorado, they are at a huge disadvantage. It is one of only 15 states in the country not paying for their college tuition.
3: Leaving foster care feels like they push you up this mountain and then they leave you at the top and you can either figure out how to get home from there or you can fall off the side and there's no support.
2: State lawmakers are trying to help. Their bill would spend an estimated $700,000 each year to cover tuition for all foster youth in the state at public universities and trade schools. If they enroll, the state will pay for it.
0: We should embrace this challenge because our foster youth deserve better.
2: Democrat Rachel Zenzinger is leading the effort. Her bill will also give foster youth a liaison to help fill out paperwork and apply for the benefit. It has some bipartisan support, but some Republicans, including Paul Lundin of Monument, are not on board. He says he's skeptical the money will make a difference. We tend to sometimes, I think, begin to believe that policy actually changes things. And the reality is, it's people that actually change other people's lives. It's a different story for foster youth who have already gone through the higher education system without help from the state. Tori Schuler says if Zenzinger's bill was in place when she went to college, she would not have student debt and would have attended law school. She currently works for a nonprofit helping foster children.
3: I do love the work that I do. I think that I would still be doing the same type of work if I had a law degree, but I think that it would be more powerful. Um, and that I could do a lot more.
2: And Schuler sees benefits in the bill going far beyond increasing college graduation rates.
3: Having that crucial support during those critical years after care means that we're gonna see less people committing suicide. We're gonna see less people turning to crimes of survival and ending up incarcerated. We're going to see less people feeling so desperate that they turn to human trafficking.
2: State officials say more than 4,000 youth are leaving the foster care system each year and would be eligible for the new tuition money. Democrats advanced it after its first hearing, but more debates are delayed until the state's budget hearings take place later this month. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol.
1: growing number of young people are in a dire state of mental health crisis. Visits to emergency departments due to severe anxiety and depression have increased dramatically since the beginning of the pandemic. Health officials now estimate that as many as 50 percent of all youth are struggling with a mental health condition. That situation led Children's Hospital Colorado to declare a state of emergency last year for pediatric mental health the hospital also created a new position overseeing youth mental health coordination across the hospital's network of campuses. Dr. Ron Lee Liao is the chief of mental health at Children's Hospital and is with us now to discuss her new role and the state of youth mental health here in Colorado. Dr. Liao, welcome. What was the goal in creating this chief of mental health position at Children's Hospital?
0: Well, yeah, I think- this might be the first time a children's hospital has named a mental health in chief uh, for a children's hospital. And uh, we, we traditionally have psychiatrists in chief um, who will oversee a section of child psychiatry and, and sometimes also psychology. Um, but I think the mental health in chief role does two things. One, it acknowledges the diversity of, of folks that make up our mental health care workforce. So psychiatrists, psychologists, but also nurses, pediatricians, family practice docs, uh, master's level clinicians and social workers, uh, psychiatric nurse practitioners, as well as community mental health workers and peer support uh, mental health team members. Um, so there's really a broader array of folks um, in the mental health field, and so I think this role acknowledges um, their contributions, as well as places uh, someone with mental health expertise and experience within every uh, discussion every at every table decision making as we're thinking about the vision and priorities of our children's healthcare system. Um, we're thinking about mental health as part of that.
1: And I'd like to talk about some of the experience you bring to this position Uh, before you came to Colorado. You were Chief of Service for Child Psychiatry at NYU. Uh, You also oversaw family support and resiliency programs there. How is your new position different from from what you did in New York? I will be totally honest, Erin. I never thought I would leave New York because
0: it it was that role at NYU was really a dream role for me, thinking about... um, not only family support and resiliency in the context of children's health care, but also co-designing programs and services with youth and families. Um, and that, uh, that's a family-centered care uh, philosophy and approach. Um, I did feel after we had launched um, our children's hospital at NYU and, and the family-centered programs, um, that I really wanted to focus my attention back on mental health specifically in children's uh, mental health. Um, and that—that that is when—when when that is why I ended up saying, you know what? If Children's Hospital of Colorado is hiring for a mental health in chief, I want to be part of that team. I want to lead that team, um, just because of my background as a child psychiatrist. And in the face of this national youth mental health crisis, I felt like this was the opportunity to sort of serve in in, in this role. Hmm.
1: And I want to talk more about your plans for the effort, but first, could you give us kind of an overview of the state of kids' mental health. I know here in Colorado, it's been a growing concern for the last few years, at least, maybe longer. How would you characterize the problem and the resources that are available now?
0: Certainly. I think for all of us working in the mental health field, it's been a a rising concern over the past several decades. Um, We, I think, in the child mental health workforce have seen um, in our emergency departments in our pediatric floors, in our outpatient clinics, um, in the primary care and school settings, um, rising rates of depression, anxiety, um, suicidal thoughts, um, self-harming behaviors, uh, substance use and addiction, eating disorders. We've been watching it rise actually for decades and sort of sounding the alarm within our professional field. Um, I think now with the pandemic sort of laying to bear um, the vulnerabilities uh, that we, we're seeing in our kids and families, and and also the lack of resources and access to high quality care um, for all children in this country. Um, I think that it's finally risen to the level of awareness that it's needed actually for several decades. We are definitely, I used to say one in five children suffer from a mental health condition that's based on sort of our national um, evidence base. Uh, Now in many populations, it's 50% of kids are suffering uh, from a mental health condition that impairs their ability to really attend school, make friendships, um, regulate their emotions and behaviors, um, you know, be be engaged in the world in the way that you want to see kids um, engaged in the world and in relationships across the their development.
1: And as far as as resources that are available right now, what's kind of the state of that?
0: it's It's pretty dire, Aaron. I think that you know I um, been here for six months and I sort of watched um, mental health reform uh, from afar happening in Colorado. Uh, when I was interviewing for this position, uh, the behavioral health task force was being formed at the state level. And now we have a behavioral health administration and a new commissioner who I'm excited to be working with. Uh, but, but at that time, Colorado really did not have an, and does not have an integrated, coordinated youth mental health system that's been sort of nurtured and developed and invested in in the same way that we have in children's health care for other types of conditions. And we talk about here at children's Marie, if your child has a, a cancer diagnosis, you go to the best cancer center, receive the best possible care um, with the available science and evidence that we have. The same is not true for mental health conditions. Um, people are desperate Uh, the wait lists are long. And in any clinic that you approach in Colorado, um, families are turning to the emergency rooms, um, which is, you know, for a family member and for a child is not necessarily the best place um, to be connected to care. But that is where people are turning these days.
1: Well, in May of last year, Children's Hospital declared a state of mental health emergency for children's and teens. Uh, Visits to the emergency room then were up around 90% compared to the same time in the previous year. What are those emergency room numbers looking like now? And do you still consider this to be a state of emergency?
0: Looking at our emergency room numbers across our system, which includes uh, North Campus, which is up in Broomfield, South Campus, down uh, in the Parker area, as well as in Colorado Springs, this is still a state of emergency for youth mental health. I was just meeting with uh, primary care providers uh, last night in Colorado Springs um, and, and their, their numbers are actually 300% up uh, for emergency room visits for psychiatric emergencies uh, compared to our campus um, at large is about 70% up, uh, increases from past years. Um, it's, it's still a significant problem. Um, and I think people are getting, I think not only are families exhausted and, and young people, but our healthcare team is also exhausted. We've had a lot of people um, actually leave the field after these last few years during the COVID pandemic. um, And we're really trying to sort of think about what what are ways to bring folks back into this mental health and emergency workforce.
1: We read about a lack of available beds for this type of treatment, but I want to talk about what that looks like. What happens when a child attempt suicide or is having some other kind of mental health crisis and there are no beds available for them at inpatient treatment centers.
0: Yeah, this in family-centered care, we talk about right care or right support for the right child and family at the right time, in the right place, by the right team, right? Um, right now, in our current state of uh, uh, care, in, in our system of care, we are not able to provide the right care, the right time, the right place. For family, right, with the right team. And so what ends up happening is all these kids who we would love to see in sort of long-term outpatient care with a therapist, with a, with a psychiatrist or nurse practitioner if they need a, med, a medical issue addressed or medication, um, if they need group-based therapy or family supports, we want to deliver that, right, in an outpatient clinic uh, with community-based support, sometimes in-home services, right, or school-based services close to home. Um, because of the state of our mental health care system here, and, and not just in Colorado but nationally, right? We don't have that opportunity because we don't we we don't have um, the mental health workforce to provide that that care. There is not parity for mental health concerns in the same way that we see for physical health concerns. Even though that's kind of a a false dichotomy anyway, right? It's all there's no health without mental health. It's an integrated. We're integrated organisms, right? And so um, our care should be integrated too. So what ends up happening is if we don't have inpatient beds, which you know you saw in the Colorado Sun article, there have been a thousand beds that have closed in the state of Colorado, inpatient beds for, 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 for youth, residential beds for kids who need longer term care and support, we don't have that access um, for these kids who are sitting in emergency rooms or on in hospital beds for weeks to months on end. In the emergency department, we would never want kids to have to stay longer than their evaluation, waiting for a bed. That is not the case anymore. Um, and that is that is the state of, uh, of not investing and, and not paying attention or prioritizing them.
1: We're speaking with Dr. Ron-Lee Liao, Chief of Mental Health at Children's Hospital Colorado. We'll hear about her focus on early intervention after a short break. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. We're listening back to a discussion about the ongoing children's mental health crisis with Dr. Ron Lee Liao, Chief of Mental Health at Children's Hospital Colorado. Last year, Children's declared a state of emergency for youth mental health in the state. Dr. Liao, I understand one of your priorities uh, in this new role is focusing more on early intervention as opposed to just uh, building space for more beds. What kind of early intervention programs and policies do you imagine for youth mental health?
0: I thank you for asking about that, Erin, because I I do feel like um, that area of prevention and early intervention and partnerships I think especially with the, the teams and community organizations who are doing that those, those things very well um, are gonna be a, a critical part of our, our vision and strategic uh, planning uh, process at Children's Hospital of Colorado. And so first things I think about are sort of integrating mental health expertise and support within primary care. So whether your child sees a family practice doc. Uh, or pediatrician or nurse practitioner, making sure that your primary care practice and provider has access to mental health um, be- and behavioral health expertise and help with screening and interpretation of depression screens or, or suicide risk, uh, developmental issues that might be coming up, but also connecting them to care um, when they need it uh, in specialty care for mental health, as well as thinking about partnering with schools Uh, school-based health teams and school-based mental health teams. When we have uh, school counselors embedded in schools, I think that's another area to sort of partner uh, between the health system and and child mental health expertise uh, with our our local school school teams. And then I start to think about multi-generational interventions, right? So when I think about child development, I actually start um, during pregnancy and think about what does it take to have a a healthy pregnancy, that parents have access to good prenatal care, nutrition, safe living environments, uh, parenting guidance, because that's first, that first three months of life, those first three years of life, you know, I, as a parent, I think this was a roller coaster, you know, you never get a guidebook on how to raise a child or, or, you know, keep your baby safe and healthy. And it's like all those things that I feel like that should be part of what we, we teach, you know, in school Um, in in our homes like no one ever you just do what your parents did right or tell them what and so so guidance for families in that sort of two generation model um, and then hopefully we'll become three generation four generation I also think about teaching kids about their feelings relationships healthy boundaries how to how to face challenges starting in pre-k like so many things happen when you know um, you're, you're, you're two and three develop, develop, developing your social skills, your regulation of your emotions and behaviors, as I've mentioned, you know, learning how to talk about things that are hard to grown ups who you trust and making those relationships, that starts really early. So I wanna start really early too. And so I know our team has actually had a lot of experience in early childhood and perinatal mental health and family mental health. So I think we're in a very good place to be a good partner um, to any anyone throughout the state who's sort of working on these
1: issues as well. Another issue that comes up, I think, in any discussion of health care is equity and barriers to access. Are there programs or services now that are specifically targeted to young people and families of color or from underrepresented groups? Uh, and what are your plans in this area? Absolutely,
0: I am. Um, I am also in my my other role at the uh, CU. Uh, School of Medicine and the Department of Psychiatry is as the vice chair for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I am thinking about equity and and diversity in everything that we do, Um, whether that's in our workforce recruitment, I'm thinking about new care team members we're bringing on, whether it's in our health disparities research initiatives and priorities, um, whether that's in our access to care, um, and making sure that our services are accessible um, to particularly underserved populations. I'll give you one example at the Children's Health Pavilion. We have a program called CLIMB um, and that's led by a psychologist who's hit her 20 year anniversary here, Ayolette me um, We've embedded uh, psychologists and social workers um, and mental health uh, clinicians within primary care within the Children's Health Pavilion. But there's also resources there For legal assistance, food assistance, housing assistance, all the social determinants of health that are equally important. And so you can see that as a model uh, for how do you really meet the the whole family's needs, right? And really partner with community partners to to work on some of the root causes um, that that are creating challenges. Uh, within specific populations, and then hiring people uh, from the community to be family health navigators, right, care coordinators. I think this is a really exciting time for us to think about different types of career paths um, for folks who might be uh, graduating from high school or, or have received their GED or pursuing an associate's degree. How do we partner with local communities to make meaningful pathways for for work and career um, and and security for their families. This is that multi-generational model, right, of of thinking and approach. I want to make those big, big investments for the long term for our kids while we're addressing the mental health crisis that we face every every single day, including today.
1: (laughs) Talking of investing um, makes me think about funding. I know there's a coalition of organizations and Children's Hospital is – a part of this, uh, seeking solutions in the realm of the state budget. Um, there's a dollar figure of $76 million um, that's based on actuarial data, and it suggests that is what it would take, $76 million to fully fund Colorado's residential centers for children um, with severe mental and emotional health needs. Is, is that enough? It, but really, Actually, what I want to ask is beyond that or in addition to this potential funding, if it happens, what do you think is needed to address this crisis and solve it? Is it just about money? Well, money,
0: money does go a long way, but of course, it's it's not just about money, right? It's, it's how we think about um, creating an integrated, coordinated, um, high-quality uh, youth mental health system for families as well, um, and how do we coordinate across different local and state public-private partnerships, right, healthcare systems, like how do we work together to create a system that's working for children that's really focused on prevention as well. I think that $76 million number is really around building uh, residential capacity and and inpatient psychiatric beds, right, opening up those beds that we've lost um, over the years, and then opening them up in a different way so they're actually um, effective. Um, return kids back to their communities and homes and and productive lives, right and engaged lives. I think that we have been advocating, um, particularly, let's say, with the American Rescue Plan funds that are coming to Colorado that a third of Colorado's population are, are young young children and teens and young people. Um, and so therefore, we we also believe that a third of the American Rescue Funds, um, which would be $150 million, should be dedicated towards creating a youth mental health system and structure for support um, that really is focused on prevention as well as early intervention. We think about that public health pyramid. I can, I'm showing you with my hands, but we're on radio. <laughs> The base of the pyramid is prevention and early intervention and identification and education. And then, as you move up to the tip of the pyramid, um, there are higher intensity interventions, higher cost interventions, like residential care, inpatient psychiatry uh, units, all of those high cost items, which we need and we need to right size for our population. But if you never fund the base, which is also including uh, primary care, integration of mental health, as well as school-based intervention, right? Um, then we will constantly need to be building uh, more and more inpatient residential beds for our kids rather than helping them really sort of grow and, 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 uh, and thrive uh, throughout their whole lives, right? With the skills that they need and the supports that they need early. on. So I'm a big I'm a big fan of right-sizing services So I think it'll be way more than $76 million to to do this right. I think we we can, and we do think and talk about braided funding um, as well, which is, we're lucky in Colorado in some ways, like we we have more resources than other states might have, and we have an opportunity to build a system that really works for kids and families, um, and I hope
1: we will do that. Dr. Ron Lee Liao is Chief of Mental Health at Children's Hospital Colorado. We spoke to her last month. That's our show for today. Just a reminder, you can hear Colorado Edition on demand by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Sean Corcoran is our executive producer. Digital editing is handled by Ashley Jeffcoat and Jackie High. Our theme music was composed by Colorado musicians, Brianna Harris and Johnny Burrows. I'm Erin O'Toole. Thank you so much for listening. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC.